Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Before we begin today's episode, I want to note that the views expressed in this series do not necessarily reflect the position of KEXP as an organization. I think joy is the ultimate form of resistance, to be able to find joy and still be able to work hard against injustice is definitely how all the Palestinians around me, that's what they did all the time. We cherish every single moment of beauty and capacity to celebrate life. I'm Isabel Khalili, and this is Palestine Amplified, a four-part series exploring the Palestinian struggle through music. In the first three episodes, we talked about the ways different struggles are connected and the role of artists and music in these struggles. In this fourth and final episode, we're digging into a vital aspect of liberation, something often expressed through song, and something that the world has so much to learn from the Palestinian people. Joy. My name is Salma Al-Aswad, and I am a Palestinian-American organizer and researcher based in Seattle, and I organize with the Palestinian Feminist Collective. You know, when I think about joy or the role of joy um, in our movements, I think I'm kind of immediately taken first to remembering how life-affirming we as Palestinians are and how as we, you know, move through our lives and as we continue to live and exist and teach the next generation, every aspect of our existence becomes reflective of what we mean to do, which is to teach life and affirm life. And that includes the mundane and profound aspects of everyday life. Something as simple as nourishing the land that has nourished you and smiling to the face of your family member, teaching a tradition in any way that you can so that you can remember that we are people who teach life. In my first interview for this series, I talked with Sunny Singh, who we've gotten to know in the last few episodes. His music exudes such unwavering optimism that I wanted to know about his relationship to joy in times of tragedy. Times are really dark right now, and tapping into joy, there's some dissonance around it. And I feel like if we're not tapping into joy, if we're not tapping in to hope, then I feel like we're giving up on the Palestinian people, right? 
if we don't have hope, if we don't have joy, if we don't have the fortitude to hold our heads up high, then we're slipping into apathy, right? And apathy does not inspire action. Joy and hope inspires action. Sunny's Sikh heritage has played a role in this perspective. I can bring in some ancestral wisdom here from the Sikh community. There's a concept and practice in our community called Chardikala, which is the concept of revolutionary eternal optimism. So it's this idea that even in the darkest of times, we have a spiritual and political obligation to remain in high spirits, right? So to center joy, even in the darkest of times. And I think it's a revolutionary call. We cannot act boldly. We cannot build movements we cannot inspire struggles for liberation without centering joy and hope. So Chardikala is, is what we call it. It's also the name of my album that I released last year. It's sort of my mission statement for my work as a musician to center joy and center hope in that sort of most revolutionary of ways. For me, it's a spiritual thing too. Music is deeply spiritual and tapping into that Chardikala spirit, tapping into a love greater than oneself, you know, a love for humanity. It's maybe another way of looking at it. I just happen to see that love as something that resembles the divine. After my conversation with Sunny, I made sure to ask every person I talked to about joy. So in this episode, I'm leaving space for their responses. We start with Ijoma Oluo, a writer and speaker based in Seattle, focused on issues of race and identity in America. Joy is what keeps me going. We have to have joy. I think it's so vital to remember what we're fighting for, not just what we're fighting against. Right. Freedom is not just, I'm not going to die. Freedom is about how we live. And so if we're fighting for that, we have to recognize that we can be supporting that right now. We can be supporting that while bombs are dropping. We can be celebrating Palestinian joy, making room for Palestinian joy. And our joy in the movement and our celebration of life, because we're fighting for life. We're not fighting to end death. We're fighting for life. We're fighting for joy. And if you don't have that, there is no battle to win. There's so many ways to die. There's so many ways in which oppressive systems will rob you of life. And they don't actually need to kill you to do it. And so it's always been about how we live. And if we want to actually fight effectively, we have to actually celebrate Palestinian life because that's a huge part of this problem, right? Is we don't actually get to see Palestinian life. We don't get to see Palestinian joy. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have Palestinian family, right? So I've seen my whole life, the joy and generosity and beauty and creativity of Palestinian people. And there's nowhere else I've gotten to see that. If we can't celebrate and uplift that, and share that with the world, why would people fight for it? Protecting joy is 
is a huge part of this work. And if you go to protests, you'll see that as well. Yes, you see the pain, you see the outrage, but you also see babies laughing and smiling. You know, last weekend they were carrying this huge Palestinian flag and underneath it there were little kids like two, three, four years old running in circles, giggling and playing tag underneath the flag, just bathed in the light of the Palestinian flag. It was the most gorgeous, fun, beautiful thing and such a beautiful reminder of why we're doing this. And so please, please, please remember we're fighting for people. If you just stay focused on what you're fighting against, you'll be in a really dark place and, and it's not sustainable. My name is Ansara. I am a Sudanese singer, songwriter, and producer based in Brooklyn, New York. I really challenge this idea that it's wrong to feel joy at moments of disaster because I think it's actually more crucial than ever to practice joy in moments of disaster. Because people on the ground experiencing those disasters want joy. They want to see your joy. They want to know that that's out there still possible for them. And you can hold joy and the magnitude of sadness around us all in the same breath. We are capable of that. We don't truly have room for one emotion. We can have them all together. And for me, in especially in moments of real disaster, I practicing things that bring me joy to me is a revolutionary act of asserting my humanity. And so I don't believe in this whole thing of like, let's all stop working, let's stop making art, let's stop having things. I'm like, no, these are actually the moments when we must gather together. We must sing together. We must make radical joy. Pleasure is an activist choice. <laughs> Alisheva Summerson, and I'm one of the founders of the Seattle chapter of Jewish Voice for Peace, and I'm also a somatic healer. I think we find joy in the resistance, and I think it's actually essential that we do so, because that's what keeps us going. When we come together and resist, we can find joy in using our voices and bringing our voices together through song in feeling our power and feeling our movement of humans who have hearts that are alive. If our hearts are still alive, we should be able to feel the full range of human emotions, right? From despair and grief and rage about what's happening to joy. And the joy comes from coming together and refusing to let our hearts go numb to the suffering and pain that is happening right now. Our joy is through our connection as humans and the way that we come together right now that is meaningful is through protests and resistance and song. We will not underestimate our power. 
my name is Sabrina Alda. I am a Palestinian born and raised in Seattle. That's like bread and butter, bread and butter for me. Like I love talking about Palestinian joy <laughs> and I love joy and like not just for Palestinians, for all oppressed people, because anyone who comes from a community that has suffered at the hands of colonialism in the way that Palestinians have, they understand the interconnectedness of suffering and grief and joy. But the one thing about Palestinian joy is that I think because of moments for our joy are so sweet in comparison to the day-to-day -day life of oppression that they live, I think they just hang on to the sweetness of, of joy so much more than many of us do. Even as Palestinians here in the, in the West, in diaspora, we don't even have that same experience that they do um, living in Palestine. People just have the, the most fun because they understand like by them existing, they're resisting like the attempted erasure of the Palestinian people of of themselves, of their families, and they're going to keep creating life and teaching life throughout their lives, right? And so that and that joy is like almost also an act of resistance. I was raised by my grandmother, right? Like by my grandparents. My my parents were both present in my life, but they worked full time. So we would go to school, we'd leave school and go back to my grandparents' house. Where did my grandmother find joy? She found it in the kitchen cooking Palestinian food. Where did she find joy? She found it in listening to Palestinian music. Where did she find joy? She found joy in telling the stories of her homeland. So when I think about Palestinian joy, I think about our grandmothers and how they put so much value into the beauty of our land, into the beauty of our culture, into the beauty of our embroidery or our food or our stories and how they teach it to the generations, like generation after generation, we continue to teach it, especially folks in diaspora, because that's all we have. All we have are our stories, all we have are our, um, is our history. And the, the joy in continuously hoping that you'll return to your homeland one day. Like my grandma constantly says with like this huge smile on her face that she's gonna go back to Malha. And she'll do it through song and she'll do it through laughter and she'll do it through, and it's, it's such a joyous statement for her that she'll be able to return to her homeland. And so I think our joy is really intertwined with our resistance movement. My name is Huda Asfour. I'm a musician. I live in Brooklyn. My parents are both Palestinian. I grew up all over. I think joy is the ultimate form of resistance, to be able to find joy and still be able to work hard uh, against injustice is definitely how I saw all the Palestinians around me. That's what they did all the time. We cherish every, every single moment of beauty and capacity to celebrate life. That's who we are. People who, who know this kind of struggle, be it Native Americans, Black people, people from all over the global South know very well that this is sort of how we, we exist in a, in a way. 
And I hope that we can really start to feel how much we are all fighting against the same systems uh, of oppression, whether it's a pipeline that should not be built or exploiting resources in places. I really hope if there is a movement that I hope that the movement is really changing our connection to this earth and our positioning in it. And in that, there is a lot of joy because, you know, this earth is beautiful, even when uh, humans uh, project uh, all the ugliness. There is definitely joy in celebrating the beauty that is left. We've reached the end of this series, and in trying to find the right words to leave you with, I remembered my conversation with Samir Eskanda, the Palestinian musician and organizer we heard from in previous episodes. When I asked him for a song recommendation, he told me about a poem. I often come back to the Palestinian poet Rafif Ziada's We Teach Life So. Rafif's poem expresses her frustration with the dehumanization that Palestinians face in the media and through occupation, but it also affirms a narrative of self-determination. This is something that we've heard echoed throughout this series and in the histories of all oppressed peoples, that in their resistance, Palestinians affirm their own humanity and they teach life. So that's how I'd like to end, with the words of the Palestinian poet Rafif Siada accompanied by the music of Phil Mansour. This is Rafif reading her poem, We Teach Life. Today, my body was a TV'd massacre. Today, my body was a TV'd massacre that had to fit into sound bites and word limits, filled enough with statistics to counter measured response. So I perfected my English. And I learned all my UN resolutions I perfected my English And I learned all my UN resolutions But still, he looks me straight in the eyes And asks me, Ms. Ziada Wouldn't everything be resolved If you Palestinians would just stop teaching So much hatred to your children? Pause I look inside of me for strength to be patient I look inside of me for strength to be patient But patience is not at the tip of my tongue As the bombs drop over Gaza Patience has just escaped me. Pause. Remember to smile. Rafif, you're on camera. Remember to smile. Remember to keep it together. Pause. We teach life, sir. We teach life, sir, after they have occupied the last skies. We teach life, sir, after they have built their settlements and their apartheid walls. After the last skies. We teach life, sir. But today... Today my body was a TV'd massacre that had to fit into sound bites and word limits. And they need a hook. They tell me every journalist needs a hook. They need a personal story, just a human story. How about you give us a story of a woman from Gaza who needs medication, just medication. Shh, we're not speaking about that word occupation. Shh, don't mention that word apartheid, just Medication. How about you give us a story of a woman from Gaza who just needs medication? Maybe she can be pretty. Maybe she can speak English without an accent. Just a human story. A human story. This is not political, you see. How about you? How about you? 
Do you have enough bone broken limbs to cover the sun? Hand me over your dead, hand me over your dead And give me the list of their names But make sure that it's in 1,200 word limits Today, my body was a TV massacre That had to fit into sound bites and word limits It was made to hook those that are desensitized To terrorist blood, but they felt sorry They felt sorry for the cattle over Gaza, so I give them statistics and UN resolutions, and I speak their language. I give them statistics and UN resolutions, and I speak their language. We condemn, we deplore, we reject, we condemn, we deplore, we reject. These are not two equal sides, occupier and occupied. These are not two equal sides, colonizer and colonized, and a hundred dead, two hundred dead, a thousand dead. I recount, I recount, I recount, and to smile, not terrorist. Remember to smile, not exotic. And I recount, I recount, I recount. A hundred dead, two hundred dead, a thousand dead, a hundred dead, two hundred dead, a thousand dead. Is anyone out there? Will anyone listen? I wish, I wish I could just wail over their bodies. I wish I could just run barefoot in every refugee camp and hold every child, cover their ears so they wouldn't have to hear the sound of bombing for the rest of their life the way that I do. I wish I could just wail over their bodies, run barefoot in every refugee camp and hold every child, cover their ears so they wouldn't have to hear the sound of bombing for the rest of their life the way that I do. Because let me just tell you, there's no sound bite. No matter how good my English gets, no soundbite. No matter how well I practice, no soundbite, no soundbite, no soundbite, no soundbite will bring them back to life. And no soundbite will fix this. We teach life, sir. We teach life, sir. We Palestinians wake up every morning to teach the rest of the world life, sir. Palestine Amplified, the miniseries, was written and produced by me, Isabel Khalili, with editing support from Roddy Nickpour, Dusty Henry, and Larry Mizell Jr. Audio was mixed by Roddy Nickpour, who also contributed original music. Many interviews have informed this series, and I want to thank everyone who shared their time and perspectives with me, specifically Todas Food, Sunny Singh, Wendy Alisheva Summerson, and Sarah Ijoma Ulu, Jamir Iskander, Tori Johnston, Kevin Sir, Sabrina Alda, Ryan Appleby, Blake Mann, Salma Al Aswad, and the many folks at KEXP who have supported the project. On that, I want to note that the views expressed in this series do not necessarily reflect the views of KEXP as an organization. Thanks for listening.